Good morning. Welcome to Belong Church, and I'm so glad that you're with us and along for this ride. And I know that you enjoyed that worship set as much as I did. And every time, every week I'm working on preparing my message, and I'm, I told you I've been missing worship, so we're adding worship. And I know it was eight minutes and 40-something seconds, but I just love those two songs. And it's just really um, inspiring to me. And it may be a new song to you because they are specific to that church, but I just want to give a special shout-out and a thank you to Life Church and their worship team. They've prepared these worship sets for churches during this time to have worship when they're not able to record their worship teams and have everything set up. And one of the, one of the most amazing things and the most unique things about a relationship with God is that it is specially designed to you. Even in the song in the worship, the second one, the one, one of the lyrics was, every fingerprint is from you. But have you ever thought about that, how unique you are in every way and, and in many ways? And look at this. Your fingerprint is unique only to you. There's no one else, that, as far as we know, in the history of the world or in the future to come that has the exact same fingerprint. That's just amazing. Retinal scanners, where your, your eyeball is different, and facial recognition, so, you know, we're using it for the simplest of things they're using our phones now, and, and high-tech security and all this stuff. Your DNA is unique only to you. There may be some family markers that are, are the same, but your DNA is just for you. Can I say it like this? God didn't create robots, now, growing up, I used to bake with my mom, and we used to make cookies, and, and she, she had these, these cookie cutters that would come out, and well, I, I bought one to show you, and a cookie cutter is you, you spread the cookie all out there, and then you push this down in it, and it makes the shape. I chose angels for, for an obvious reason here in a moment, but you push it down in there, and you cook, and then you, when you put them on the plate and you come out, they're all a bunch of angels there. But you see, God didn't use a cookie cutter. He didn't make a whole bunch of angels that are just all going to be the same, that are just going to all be taking that, you know, like a, an army of robots. No, he created you unique. He created you special. It, it, it's it's this, this desire that God has inside of you to do something that's only for you to do. Now, that is for you to do his calling. But what does that mean? And you may say, how do I know what God has called me to do? And, and for some, it may be to do the last thing he told you to do. For others of you and others of us, it may be praying and asking God, hey, what is my next step? See, we have instructions and we choose to do them or not to do them. He tells us what to do, and sometimes we're like, God, I don't want to do that. And, and I know, and, and you'll kind of turn your back on it. And there's actually a scripture that's not included in my message today. But Jesus says, which of the one is the obedient child? The one who's told to do something, and they say they're not going to do it, but they change their heart and they do it. Or the one who says, yeah, 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 I'll do it, and then never completes it. Well, the obvious answer is the one who did it is the one who is the obedient one. Even though initially they would say, oh, no, I don't want to do that. Well, isn't that the same way for many of us? Isn't that the same way that we'll look at it and say, God, I don't want to do this? Or, you know, the old song back in the long time ago in the 60s or the 70s or the 80s, it says, God, don't send me to Africa. God gives us instructions. He gives us a plan 
And he's so patient. And I, I love, I keep talking about the last several weeks, but I love the scripture that says he is the one who began this work and he's faithful, he's confident, he's just going to keep at it, taking care of the plan that he has for us. But asking for direction when you haven't done the last one is futile. So when God tells you to do something and you don't follow through with that and you're like, okay, I'm going to ignore that. I'm like, God, would you please tell me what to do? That's not going to work very well. So as I said, many people, to follow God's direction is to go back to the last thing he told you to do. And if you're not doing that, if you haven't completed that task, then that's definitely what you need to focus on. For others, it's revealed in reading the Word of God, the Bible. And that's one of the reasons we have as a, as a primary, a high um, task that we want to do is to read the one-year Bible. Because every day you're going to get something, and it's amazing how the living, breathing Word of God is able to every day to jump out and change our lives and to give us something. And every single day when you read it, to go, oh my gosh, that is exactly what I needed today. There are a handful of things that you'll see over and over, and you'll, you'll get to hear them over and over again. And, and some from us, from a church, you'll hear over and over again. It's our four core values. But in the Bible, you'll hear some things over and over. But you see, obedience is always left up to you. I could talk about reading the one-year Bible every week, and it's up to you to take the steps to do it. I, I can tell you about worshiping, and you may say, I really don't like that, and I'm just going to fast forward to that. But when we have obedience, we will see the blessing that comes with that. See, this is why I'm convinced that only you can discover the plan of God and what your next step is. You're unique. God created you unique in this plan. It all You can't look at somebody else's life and say, I'm going to do what they're doing. Nor can someone look at your life and say, you should be doing what I'm doing. It's only you and God. But that's what a relationship is about. And last week we talked in Mother's Day about knowing God and, and how that's the same intimate relationship that Adam knew Eve and created the first children. Knowing God is the paramount, is the highest thing there is. I've been privileged to minister in a lot of different areas and a lot of different ways throughout my life. And particularly right out of Christ for the Nations and the five-year span, I did so much and, and I was so blessed. But one of the things that we did is I traveled for a group called International uh, Outreach for Christ International or the Reach Out Singers. And we had a group of 16 kids and it ended up being 23. But um, we would travel in this van and we would have the, the driver's seat and then the passenger seat. And someone would sit in the middle facing backwards and people would sit in the first row. And people would jockey for those positions. And we would talk about the Bible. We would talk about the principles of God. And, and it was always amazing to me, whether I'm driving or I'm sitting in the captain's chair up there, that they would ask questions that I might not even know the answer to, even though I'm the director and I've been to Bible college and all this stuff. I, I might not know the answer, but the Spirit of God would always give me promptings and would always give me the response I'm supposed to do. And I, I, I began to love those times so much just because of what it even brought out from the Spirit of God. But I loved being able to pour into young minds. And one particular day, 
we're driving along, and someone asked me about once saved, always saved, and can you lose your salvation? And I gave the rote example that I knew from having been raised and what I've been told, and I just gave this just knee-jerk reaction back. And this gentleman said, then what do you do with Matthew chapter 7? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he went on to describe the scripture we're about to listen to, we're going to look at. But can I tell you, it shook me to my core because there's one time that I didn't have an answer. If I remember right, I told him, I'm going to have to get back to you on that one because it made me question a whole lot of things. Not question God, but it was part of my personal learning. Look at Matthew chapter 7, starting with verse 20. Jesus just got through describing this whole scenario. I encourage you to go read it. But he finished that thing and makes this transition by saying this. You can tell each tree by its fruit. Now, if you walk up to this tree, you may not know what kind of bark it's got on it. You may not identify it by the leaves. But if it's got orange things that are hanging down like this, you know it's an orange tree. If it's smaller and it's got yellow fruit hanging down, you know it's a lemon tree. If it's, it's bright red and it's, it's a, you follow what I'm saying, you can tell what kind of tree it is by its fruit. Now, now in most of our Bibles, it has this, this passage, it goes right into verse 21, but it's like it's a new thought. But Jesus is still in that same vein talking. Look at verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who do what my Father in heaven wants will enter. And that was the question that this gentleman asked me. He goes, what do you do with that scripture that says that not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, is going to get in? And I was shaken. But can I just point out a couple of things to you? Whoever does the will of my Father, will means literally desires. Who does the desires of my father? Well, that puts a whole nother um, qualifier. It quantifies it out differently than just simply going around saying, Lord, Lord. And in the coming weeks and probably next week, we'll be looking in greater detail in all the different scriptures where that word will and the desires and how it comes in and, and how we see it in our lives. But continuing on, Verse 22, it says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, now look at this. Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons in your name? Didn't we do many miracles in your name? And these are just churchy kind of responses. So you could almost fill in anything. Didn't I go to church every day? Didn't I read my Bible every day? Didn't I fast and pray? And didn't I give to the poor? Didn't I? See, these are all the things that are the outward result of things. Verse 23 says, then I will tell them clearly, I never, there's that word, knew you. I never had a relationship with you. My daughter and I were talking about a movie uh, we were watching, and, you know, someone is a mafia probably kind of thing, and, and they said, I hate to kill you, but it's just business. See, sometimes when we are in the church, it can be just about, it's just business. 
Hey, I got someone sick. I got to go and lay my hands on them. I got to go pray. I got to pray the prayer of faith. I got to go do this stuff. It's, it's business. And here Jesus is saying, if you can be so caught up with the business that is church, but you never had a relationship with me, then I'm going to tell you, I never knew you. See, this caused great pause for me as I'm driving in the van with this group of people looking for me for direction. How can I justify that? How can I rectify that to say that all these things, this is what I, my plan was? How is this going to be that I'm doing all these great things for you, God? And anytime you use the name of God, and anytime you do the principles of God, you're going to get results. It's not about me anyway. It's about God's principles work. So the simple fact that I can do all of these things and I can have these things that are great for helping other people, that's great for them. But what about my relationship? What about when I stand before him and I'm the one there? He doesn't want to hear a list of things that I did. He doesn't want to hear a list of things that you did. He wants to have known you. See, I was like what I, we heard Pastor Chris describe recently. I heard that you get into heaven, you just needed to set, call him Lord. And in fact, you gotta, some people say in, in your salvation prayer, you got to say, Lord, I call you Lord and I choose you. And, I, and making it all this specifics about calling him Lord. And when you start your prayer, dear Lord, you, you, you add these places, this, that's wonderful, that's great, that's, there's nothing wrong with ascribing to him his lordship, but simply calling him Lord without a relationship doesn't get you into heaven. But if I was honest, that was my plan. See, I was serving him, I was doing all the things but in many ways, I was doing it my way. I was doing it the way other people had shown me, and I was copycatting them. And again, I'm not saying there's anything necessarily even wrong with those. But if it is without an intimate relationship, it's great for all the people you're he touching. It's great for all the people that are being impacted. But what about your soul? What about when you stand before him? Is he going to say, man, you did my will. You did my desires. You did the desires of my father. Or is he going to say, you did all that, but I never knew you. You never had this relationship with me. See, I also thought that the purpose for going to church was to get to know church better, to, to get to know the things that how I'm supposed to do better and to work on the list of the do's and the don'ts. And I found myself in a place where I knew church. I was well versed in the rules, the, the do's and the don'ts. And man, I can point out in your life if you're doing it right or you're not doing it right. And I could even tell you all the things. I could point my finger at you. But it really, at the end of the day, that's not really even church. That's religion. You see, we all struggle with this um, need and uh, this ability to understand because this doesn't come natural to us. We are in good company. In John chapter 3, 
Starting with verse 1, look at this. There was a Pharisee. Okay, so this means he was one of the, the religious people of the time. There's the Sadducees and the Pharisees. He was one of them, and his name was Nicodemus, and he was one of the Jewish rulers. So he is high up in the church. He's one of the ones that's leading the church. And so he is well-versed in all of the Jewish laws and all the do's and the don'ts and all, the, all of this stuff. So he's made it. He's got a title. He's got a position. He's one of the rulers. Verse 2 says, And he came to Jesus at night. Many people think he came so nobody would know he's coming. That he's kind of like serpentition. Ah, I can't say that word. He just came secretly in to talk to Jesus. And, and this is what he said. We know, and look at this word, know. You're a teacher who has come from God. Man, there's no way. We know that God is with you. If he weren't, you wouldn't be able to do the miraculous signs that you're doing. But can I point something out to you? That word know is not the same know that we know God. That word know is perceive. If we can go back, we perceive you're a teacher who's come from God. That means I'm using my intellect. I'm using all of the things that I could write off and I can do a checklist and I can, I can quantify these things out. We perceive that you are the teacher from God. But that's a far cry from having a personal relationship. Verse 3, Jesus replied, what I'm about to tell you is true. No one can see God's kingdom unless they are born again. But that word see means literally perceive or attend to. See, Nicodemus says, we perceive that you are from God. And Jesus says, you can't perceive or attend to the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. Jesus is flipping it right back on you. It just reminds me, of, we are having Mother's Day this week, uh, celebrating Lenore, and we're watching videos with, and we're watching uh, a TV show, um, The Amazing Race, and they had to do these crazy things, and this one girl was pulling these watermelons back to, to hurl them over to knock this, um, this, uh, this soldier thing down, and, and she did, and it went back, and she fell back, and the, the watermelon flew out and flew back just faster and just hit her right smack in the face, and we kept rewinding that and laughing, and, and she's like, I can't feel my face. I can't feel my face. See, Jesus did that same thing. He just like whipped it right back at him and goes, hey, man, you said you perceive that I'm from God. You can't even perceive the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Verse 3, Jesus said, unless you're born again. That again means literally from above. But you see, he's still trying to do this in his mind and his, his perception is and what makes sense to him. In verse 4, he says, how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. They can't go back inside their mother. Now, how many of you know last week was Mother's Day and you don't want to think about your children being born again by having to go back in the way they came out and no, that's not going to work, okay? And he's like, that can't happen. They can't be born a second time. Again, he's trying to work this all out in his mind, but... Oftentimes, unless we have this revelation knowledge from God, we try to do it in our own knowledge. And some of the things that we hear from God is like, this doesn't make sense. Jesus answered, what I'm about to tell you is true. No one can enter the kingdom of God, God's kingdom, unless they're born through water and the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, people give birth to people 
but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You see, you're born and your body came into this world and all of a sudden you took your first breath and, and your, your blood's pumping and your life now is just beginning. It's just all happening right there. People don't give birth to someone a second time, but they need that place where their spirit comes alive. The Spirit of God, look, that's a capital S, gives birth to the spirit that is within us. Fast forward down to verse 14. Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, and in the same way the Son of Man must be lifted up. We talked about this in great detail in a previous message. Um, if you go back and look in our, our history, is the one called 2020. You can go listen to this and get more understanding of what that one's talking about. But that is what Jesus is saying. This is same, this, this thing with Moses was foreshadowing that what has to happen to me, I have to be lifted up, that you look to me with where I'm on that cross. Look at verse 15. Then everyone who believes in him, talking about Jesus, talking about himself, the Son of Man, can live with God forever. That word believe literally means entrust. Then everyone who entrusts their lives to Jesus can live with God. And that word entrust and believes literally is off the same word we've been looking at so much. Faith, meaning persuaded or to have confidence. If you put your trust in God, I don't have it all worked out. It doesn't all make sense. Like Nicodemus is sitting here going, I don't understand all of this. You say, okay, I'm going to be, you've persuaded me. That's the word, the definition of faith. I'm going to have confidence in God. I'm going to, I'm going to step out in entrusting him. That was verse 15, but look at verse 16. So many people know it, but it just flows right on. For God so loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son and anyone who believes in him will not die, but will have eternal life. And I like the way it says in the New King James, it says perish. You won't perish. That doesn't mean you're not going to have bad days. That doesn't mean you're not going to go through some difficult times. It means it's, you're not going to perish. And one of the founding scriptures of our church is actually John 3, 17. Michael actually jokes and says, how can you be a part of the church if you don't know that John 3, 17 is, is what we all are about? It says, God did not send his son into the world to judge the world. And that's the, the message most people have about God. He's just here shaking his finger at you, telling you all the bad things you're doing, all the things, you, the places you missed it. God didn't send his son. He didn't send Jesus for that. There's a time of judgment coming, but it isn't now. What he did is he sent his son to save the world through him. He sent his son so that the world would find salvation. Can I say it like this? A relationship with God through the Son, Jesus. But even circling back, Jesus says, you never knew me. I never knew you. See, God didn't make a cookie cutter, stamped it out and just said, here's, here's your life. You're just going to do it. You have no choices. God created you unique and wants to have a relationship with you. That's amazing to think that the creator of the entire world 
created you unique and wants to have a relationship with you. See, there's a difference. You may do all of the same things and the results are the same. When I have a relationship with God, I'm I'm still going to cast out devils. When I have a relationship with God, I'm still going to go and pray for people and they're going to get healed. When I have a relationship with God, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to worship. I'm going to do all these things because I have this relationship. I'm knowing God in this deep, intimate way. The results are there, but the results are based off of a relationship. A relationship does create results. But you can't only look at the results and say that they're enough to their end. That's why Jesus said, on that day, plenty of people are going to say, Lord, Lord, give me my title, give me my place. And they're going to say, look at all these results we got for you, Jesus. But I didn't know you. They're empty. It's great that people's lives were touched. People's lives were even changed. Another scripture says, what if you gain the whole world but you lose your own soul. So while we've identified some next steps for some people, I'm going to suggest to you that you could have called yourself a Christian for 15, 20, 25, 30, 50 years plus. Maybe you're like me and you knew, you know, church really well. You know the right things to say. You can, you can even point out in other people what's wrong in their lives. You can really put someone in their place. After all, you know all the rules. All the churchy, knowing church kind of things. Look at 1 Corinthians 3, the second part of verse 2. I can do all of these things, but if I don't have love, I'm nothing. You see, if I don't have this relationship with God, I am going to be left wanting. See, the end result may appear to be the same, but one marked by a true relationship is always wrapped in God's love. Can I say that again? The end result may appear to be the exact same. You can't compare the two accurately. But the one marked by a true relationship, the one where Jesus says, hey, I know you. Man, we've been in relationship since. You can fill in the blank. That one is always wrapped in God's love. For God so loved the world. I I often talk about this. uh, I'm faithful in my marriage to Lenore. Not because of our marriage certificate that I signed and she signed. I'm faithful to her because I have a relationship with her. And in that, our love covers. I'm not the easiest person to live with. We both have conflicts. We both have situations that we we will have disagreements on. But at the end of the day, love covers that. Love believes the best at all times and loves at all times. 
the Bible says, doesn't keep record of wrongs. See, it doesn't matter how long it's been since you've prayed that prayer, whether it was last week, whether today's going to be your first time, or it was a gajillion years ago. There's always a next step. Please bow your heads. So I, I would ask you this morning, today, to fill in the blank. Where are you with God? Do you know Him? Not do you go to church, not do you do all the things, not if, are you getting all these results, but do you know Him? What is your next step? This call to action is not for you to have made a decision only to surrender to God. It may be for you to pray this prayer and decide for the first time or maybe to come back to God. But it may also be for you to return to the last thing God told you to do. It may be to surrender in an airy area of your life. You fill in the blank. And today I encourage, as we pray this prayer, I encourage everyone to pray this prayer. And when I get to the part where it says, I surrender, I want you to just give it to God. Whether that's your life for the first time, just trusting or entrusting God, or you've been walking with Him for all these years, and maybe you realize that your relationship has kind of slipped. Trust Him with your next step. Simply pray this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I want to entrust my life to you. I want to know you. Right now, I'm giving up doing it my way. I surrender my life to you. Thank you for giving your life for me. Today, I give my life to you. I ask you to forgive me for every time I've missed it. I receive your new life, and the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Father, I pray that you would help us all to know you. Lord, that you would help us all to have this deep relationship. And Lord, I know you've done everything. You're waiting on our obedience. Lord, I thank you that you're patient. In the times that we miss it, in the times we stray off, Lord, you're, you're still there like the parable of the prodigal son and the father just standing on the porch watching. Lord, I thank you for everyone who took that step today, whether it's coming for the first time or coming back or realizing that they kind of veered a little bit far from you. Maybe their results are all looking like a Christian, but Lord, their knowing you has kind of slipped. Lord, I thank you that we can entrust you. We can have faith. Our confidence and our, our being persuaded is in you. Lord, help us to take our next step. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If that's you this morning, if you made that, I would like to invite you to take the next step with us. And that's simply to text the word CONNECT to 469-289-1114. And don't worry, you're not going to get spammed. No one's going to come visit you. No one's going to bring you a free loaf of bread. Okay, it's just simply our way of communicating with you. And I want to invite you to send your testimonies in to us and, and invite somebody to take this journey with you. And if you'll watch to the end, you'll see different ways you can give and connect. And, and you'll see this cool little graphic that Michael's been working so hard on. He's done such a great job on. Let's close in prayer.
Father, I just thank you for what you're doing. Lord, I thank you for the ability that the God, the creator of the entire world has to have a relationship with me. That you're not just up there worried about big global things, but Lord, you're worried about every single thing that's going on in my life. And you're intimately invested in each one of us. Lord, we give you all the glory. I give you all these people, God, that are watching and, and are following along and taking this journey with us wherever they're at on this step. Father, I speak a blessing over them. Lord, I speak a blessing over everyone who's given this week and paid their tithes and given offerings. Lord, I just thank you that you're blessing them and your laws and the kingdom of God are at work in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.